Welcome. For those of you watching on Instagram, those of you watching on Facebook, those of you watching live, those of you that are in the house tonight. I was glad when they said, come on to the house of the Lord on a Saturday night where you could be doing something, but Corona has canceled your plans. We thank God for his faithfulness, y'all. It's December the 12th, 2020. And if somebody had told me on January the 1st, 2020, that you and I would be sitting here in this kind of predicament, I would have probably laughed at them. I would have probably told them, boy, you crazy girl, you tripping. What are you talking about? What pandemic? What global what? But here we find ourselves in a global pandemic. And I believe all of 2020 has been a year of refinement. Somebody say refinement. Say refinement. You see, how many of you know how to cook well in this room? Or you're watching online, you cook well. Just throw up an emoji that says I cook well. I don't know, you can find one, maybe a knife. Okay, you cook well, that's good. Well, you see, there's something that you need in order for your food to be prepared. I don't care how well you cook. If you don't have fire, you ain't cooking. True or false? You cannot cook if you do not have fire. Fire is necessary for the meal to be well done. <laughs> and so this pandemic or this global threat that we're experiencing, I believe for the church of God, for us as believers, it's the fire that we needed to fire us up to be well prepared for God's next move. We just got back from doing some evangelism. It was great. Thank God for those young people that were bold enough to go out there and to witness to people and share Christ in the midst of so much turbulence, so much confusion. I had an opportunity to talk to one young man. He told me, I don't believe in anything. He said, as a matter of fact, I believe in myself. I said, boy, you're in trouble. I don't even believe in myself like that because I know I'm full of faults. In and of myself, I'm a royal mess. But say with Christ, all things are possible. So y'all, obviously we've been talking about our transition from Bethel to Harvest. And so how many of you saw the video that Bishop did this week? Okay, powerful, powerful, powerful transition, y'all. We're in, we're, in, we're in a God kind of move. This doesn't happen a lot. You know, the paradigm shift of an entire ministry. The changing and the rebranding, this is, you guys are in the middle of history in the making. Young people, listen to me. This is not a time to be on a bench. If you play sports, you haven't trained all this time to be a bench rider. How many know what I'm talking about? For you athletes. If you play basketball, you can't go and run suicide drills back and forth only to say, man, go, bro. Yeah, you did good, man. That was all right. It would suck to ride the bench, won't it? So right now, if you're not out there on the field, you should feel like, man, it sucks to not get out there and, and share Christ. Because from the time you were birthed into this, this, into this faith, many have been feeding you and giving you word and prepping you and staring you up and encouraging you for such a time as this. I believe it. Mordecai told Esther, Esther, do whatever you want to do. God can find a deliverer for himself. But how do you know you were not brought into this dispensation for such a time as this. Young people, God is ready to use you 
God is ready to employ you. God is ready to release you and deploy you. But the question is, how are you thinking in this season? Are you thinking like a harvester? Because if you are not, you will be on the bench and think it's okay to be so. If you're not engaging in the work of ministry, and when I say ministry, I'm not talking about coming up here to sing on a mic. No. I'm not talking about holding an offering basket. No. I'm talking about getting your hands in the Father's business. If you are not, you need to check how you're thinking. Because Jesus came to this earth and he only lived for 33 years. The Bible says he was cut short in Isaiah 53. His life was cut short. There's no memory of any children, physical children, no wife. Some of us thinking, man, man, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to do this. Jesus wasn't thinking about nothing. He was thinking about his father's business from the time he came into this world. See, I need to check my mind. And I need to get my thoughts together. So tonight I'm talking about thinking like a harvester because the more I see it, I have no choice. I'm engaged in war. This is an all-out competition. I am already in the fields. So my mind needs to adjust to my current position and my condition. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Say I'm already engaged in war. Say I'm already in a competition. And I'm already in the fields. So I need to get my mind right. You've got to get your mind right. Okay? So let's look at the book of Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 8. Make a few points and then go on to some other verses here. Because I want us to see something. Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi and he's telling them this. He says, if, therefore, if there is any consolation, okay, in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, if you have any real relationship with Christ tonight, if you are truly a believer and you've tasted and seen the goodness of God, if there's any possibility that you've had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit that you can't help it, he goes on to say, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Hmm? Listen, Paul's speaking to the church. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, say one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let me pause right there for a second. Paul is speaking to the church then, and I believe he's, the Lord is still using this word to speak to us tonight to say, if you are a believer, if you are a, a, a saint, if you have received Christ, then we have to be unified in the way we think. We have to be of one mind. We have to be of the same kind of love. We have to be of the same kind of fellowship. In layman's terms, we cannot be doing one thing as the church, quote unquote, the body of Christ, and you do your own thing. Are you listening to me? We can't be out here talking about, let's go after these souls. Let's get out on the field. Let's get out on the competition field. Let's get ready for war. Let's engage. And you're like, man, I'm chilling at the crib, bro. I ain't got no time for that. Paul is speaking to the church, then he's saying, make my joy, cause my heart. But I believe Paul wasn't just speaking for Paul, he was speaking on behalf of Christ. 
Because I believe it brings so much joy to the heart of the father when his children are doing the same thing he's doing. Are you listening to me? When you're doing the things that, that your father does, it, I mean, I'm talking from the perspective of a father tonight, and when my kids do what I do, it, it brings so much joy into my heart. I can't explain it to you. I, I don't know how to put, I don't know how to quantify the thought. I, when, when, when I see them doing what, what my desires are, there is something that happens inside of me, and it drives me to just want to bless them without them even having trying to earn it. And I'm not saying do for God and he blesses you. Guess what? You're already blessed. There is nothing you can do to earn the blessing. You have the blessing. His name is Jesus. But there is an extra sauce. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The extra sauce. How many of y'all ever asked for some extra sauce? Uh, from the perspective of cassava leaf. Small more. Huh? Just a little bit. Just My wife said, we need to leave some for tomorrow. I said, no girl, a little bit. I like all of it. I believe there is something that the, the, that the father wants to do, but our disunity in the church is hindering his move. And sometimes we want to make this disunity thing such a huge, like, you know, an anomaly. No, I said it just now. If we're going out in the field, we're going out on the field. As the church, as the people of God. Are you hearing me tonight? Say one accord. Say unity. Mm-hmm. He said, let no one think that he's better than the other. God forbid I ever think that I'm better than anybody in this room. Because I know I'm not. I'm more holy than you. You don't read your Bible and I read my Bible. I'm better than you. Please. The same blood that saved you saved me. So there's no competition in the kingdom. There's no super Christian. We're all super in Christ. Are you hearing me? Okay. Let each of you. I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. Look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're in a time where so many people are selfish and self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about ours. And yo, you know what? You don't know. What caused the early church to explode was the fact that they had all things in common. All things. Food, drink, attitude, worship, Everything was in alignment. And the Bible says where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Oh, church, wake up. Wake up. Where there is unity, God, look, blessings can't help it when the church is united. Blessings will chase you down. Some of us are chasing blessings and the Lord is saying, you need to unify with my purpose and watch blessings knock you down in 2021. Selfishness don't work here. And then he goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I said, let this mind be in you. Think like a harvester tonight. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant, and coming into the into coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I'm talking about humility. The Lord is saying, "Be united, but also be humble. 
Think like this. Think like this kind of harvester. Jesus being God in, in, in form. He, he is divinity. I told you earlier as we were taking the communion, the Bible says, and the word became flesh. This word that spoke and there was a big bang. I was talking to my kids earlier. We are talking about the whole concept of evolution. And they said, you know, the big bang theory. I believe in the big bang theory. I believe. I believe it. But it's from a different side. I believe when God spoke, there was a big bang. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I believe when God spoke, boom, there was an explosion. And God is still speaking. And there are things falling apart. But so many people refuse to humble themselves to the word of God. God came and became a man. And I'm recalling a story where he came to Peter. And he brought the bucket. And he brought the towel. He said, let me wash your feet. And Peter said, no, you ain't touching my feet. You're God. You're Jesus. You're... And he says, Peter, if you don't allow me to do this, you have no part with me. What was he saying? If I can humble myself, you can humble yourself. You see, pride is the setup for the fall, but humility is the setup for grace. He gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. We're in a season, young people, I'm going to tell you something. We're in a season where if you're not walking low, I'm talking about like low, low profile, low. In everything that you do, you're going to miss what God is doing. Because if Jesus could humble himself, guess what? I bow before your throne, worship at your feet, bow before your throne. Because you are a glorious God. If you're a Christian walkers, man, you know what I'm saying? You big cop, you know, chicken rooster chested out talking about God. You can't tell me nothing. You are setting yourself up for the okie doke. I'm talking to the worshiper tonight. That in this season, you got to think like this, Harvester. You got to think about humility and unity. Why? Because these are two key character attributes of Christ that we must reflect say unity say unity say humility mm -hmm. amen so let me shift gears a little bit because Paul sets the stage right there and when I say think like a harvester think like like Christ think like the original harvester who came for souls I mean God's objective in Christ was souls his very name means I will save my people that's what Jesus' name means. I, I will save them. I love the fact that we're being called Harvest Intercontinental Ministries Unlimited. Because that's what it's all about, y'all. We're here for souls. Okay? So I want us to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 7, because there's something else I want you to consider. I'm still talking about thinking like a harvester, but there are three, there are three concepts that Paul drops here in this chapter, talking to his young protege, Timothy, that I want us to, want us to grasp. I want us to hold it. I want us to own it. Okay? Let's look at it. Verse 1 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the what? Grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not be strong in your own ability. Not be strong in your college degree. Not be strong in the amount of money you've made from this job you've just, you know, he said, be strong in the grace that is found only in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there is no other supplier of grace. 
What is grace? God's ability on your natural. God's power on your problem. Oh, God's witness that you are his. All of that is found in grace. So he says, Timothy, before you get involved, my son, my mentee, my protege, before you start talking ministry, be strong in the grace of Jesus. As harvesters, we have no other strength or no other power source but the grace of God. We have no other place. Look, if you get engaged in this kind of work, this line of work, you will be crippled trying to do it by yourself. I see so many people complaining, oh my God, it's been a rough year. You know, I almost, I almost quit. We almost quit. Guess what? We ain't quit yet. It was his grace. We have not closed our doors the entire 2020. That is the grace of God. Oh, you are still able to think, even though I know it's been difficult, it is the grace of God. So, Timothy, well, people of God tonight, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, you've got to get to the place where what you are learning, you are now also giving to others. I'm talking about thinking like a harvester. Harvesters are people who make disciples, young people. You've got to get to the place where next year, 2021, you're finding one or two or three or four or five of your friends and you're saying, you know what? We're going to do Bible study together. I'm going to disciple you. So many of us want to be following people and God is saying, I'm raising you up to cause people to follow you. The word that I place in your mouth, people need it. Stop sitting on what you have. Release it. Can you imagine? Jesus spent three years. Some of y'all been in this church for 18. 25. And you don't have one disciple? No shade. Just facts. He says, Timothy, I need you to take this and I want you to enable others. Why? Because in Philippians, he said, don't just look after your own interests. Start looking out for others. You can't have all this word in your head and you ain't released it out your heart yet. You know, but I ain't worried about them. They'll be all right. No, it's not cool. You got to think like this, harvester. We are not just here to win souls. We're here to disciple them too. And not only are we here to disciple them, but we also need to be disciples in the process. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. Who are, who's discipling you? Who are you submitted to? Who are you committed to learning from? It's a different kind of word, I promise you. Okay? And then he goes on to say, after he said all that, he talks about these three categories that you got to hear tonight. I've been thinking about this for a month, so I know it's, it's something that you need to hear. He says, you, 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 therefore, <laughs> he says, you must endure hardship. Oh, that's a word none of us want to hear. He said, you must therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, y'all thought Christianity was a walk in the park. Lift your head up. Get off your phone. Look at me. 
You thought it was, oh, I get saved and there's a bed of roses. You forgot roses got thorns too. Oh, they're pretty from a distance, but go ahead and start messing with them. There'll be some pricking, there'll be some pain, there'll be some, some, some agony, there'll be some discomfort. Yeah, Christianity has a lot of discomfort more than it has a lot of joy on this side of the earth. Often we don't hear people preaching like that. Say, oh yeah, you coming, you'll get a new car. This is not the price is right. This is not a game show. This is not I can see your voice. Now, I can see a choice based on the enduring you're doing. Mm -hmm. How much are you willing to endure in this season? We're so quick to give up. When Paul is saying to the church, he's saying, Timothy, I need you to endure as a good soldier. That means there must be some bad soldiers. He's saying, but good soldiers endure. Good soldiers don't give up. Good soldiers stay in their position. Good soldiers follow the commanding officer. Say no child's play. This is war. A war over souls that are on their way to hell unless you go out there and get them. But I'm okay. I don't want to be bothered. Oh my God, they're shooting. Yeah, they're shooting. And you're the target. So you might as well fight. <laughs> Jesus, help us all tonight, oh. Say, I will endure. Say, I will endure as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Thank God I, we are enlisted by not our own selves, but by Christ. Mm -hmm. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then he finishes off by saying, the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And he wraps it up saying, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. I want to talk about these three characters here before I close. Think like this kind of harvester. Think like a soldier. I just alluded to a few things, but uh, here's my first point. If you take notes, write this down real quick. You see, the ability for the soldier to endure hardship is something that we only find embedded in the grace of God towards us. Every soldier primary focus must be the mission at all times, especially when in the line of duty. Every soldier must be focused on the mission at all times, especially when in the line of duty. When you out there on the front lines, you cannot be thinking about what kind of food your mama cooking at home or how your fingernails look or your hair got did and what all the world has going on. He said, what kind of soldier gets himself entangled in civilian affairs? Notice how they treat soldiers a whole lot different from civilians anyway. They have a separate uh, fort for them. They have the, my, my, I got several cousins in the military, and a lot of them, I mean, when you go to the base, I went to Fort Meade a couple of months ago, and I mean, they got their own grocery store, their own gas station. They, they, they have homes provided for them, vehicles. I mean, pension check. Look, the, the government that, oh, carabosia. The government that they're serving takes care of them. 
What business does a U.S. Army Marine have thinking about what he's going to take, take back to his family when he's on the front line? That's not his business. The government that he serves has taken care of that already. You have needs, my need for affection, my need for direction, my need for perfection. The Lord is saying, I've got you covered already. Don't worry about that part. Focus on the fight. Focus on the mission. Focus on what I've called you to do. In, in Matthew 28, 18, I said go into all the world. The world of business. The world of entertainment. The world of finance. The, I told you to go. Stop looking back like Lot's wife. Who? Forgot about her dishes. In her toilet paper. In her china. And when she looked, she became a pillar of salt. So many are salty in their Christian walk. And they're stuck on the past because we're not focused on the mission. Oh, may the Lord help us tonight. Soldiers rise up. Soldiers rise up. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, in, say endured. Come on, say endured. Young people say endured. Say endured. He endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the chief of endurance. So I know that I'm going to be fine. I don't care what life throws at me. I know you're going to be fine no matter what life throws at you. Why? Because if Jesus was able to endure the cross. Anybody around here carried a cross this week? I know you may have felt like a cross. I know you might, you might have felt the weight of your troubles. But you have the ability to overcome that because Jesus is inside of you. You are a good soldier. Tell yourself, say, I'm a good soldier. Point to yourself. You got to tell yourself, I'm a good soldier. I don't care what the enemy tells you. You're a loser. You want to amount to nothing. You tell that lying devil, I am a good soldier. Because Christ lives inside of me. That's the first one. I'm talking about the kind of harvester who knows. She knows. He knows. They're a soldier. But then Paul talks about the athlete. You know, back then in Athens, man, we, th we, we think we know how to pack up stadiums. They packed up stadiums. And it wasn't playing football. They were gladiators fighting animals. My goodness. Lions and bears. And all kinds of stuff. Any any uh, engage in any animal fighting sport? Hmm? Nobody. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you are, more grace to you. Paul describes the kind of harvester or the kind of believer that we ought to be when he when he talks about the athlete. And I'm gonna read that again. He said, and if. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I have a lot, all, all of my kids play sports, every last one of them. And you'll be on the sidelines watching them play. And I'm not going to call that person's name, but you will hear the referee blow the whistle or throw the flag. Five-yard penalty. And you're like, what did this child just do? False start. Number such and such. Go back five yards. So that's a football uh, analogy where, where 
if you're on the line of scrimmage and, the quarter, and everything is set, the quarterback has set, you cannot move until the quarterback hikes the ball. As long as the quarterback has not hiked the ball, you as a lineman cannot move. But sometimes, when, oh, this is so good, Holy Spirit, thank you. Sometimes when you're in position, you get tired. You, oh, say that good. You lose balance. You lose focus. You lose your train of thought. <laughs> you lose desire, especially when they're whooping your team. Why must I stay in this position? Man, I'm tired. You get penalized according to the rules. This is important. You need to hear this. Because there's a day coming when we will all receive a crown of righteousness. At the beamer seat of Christ, the judgment seat, we will all be rewarded for works done in the flesh. That's coming. That's not a possibility, maybe, no. It is going to happen. You will receive a crown of righteousness. You will receive other crowns for the work you've done. Now, you can't, I can't, we can't seek to do it our way. We've got to do it according to his standards. That's what rules are. Standards. I had a conversation with one of our leaders earlier. We were talking about it. You know, the church has gotten so comfortable in doing things their own way and expecting God to be okay with it. Impossible. God is the standard setter. We got to follow the way he prescribed it. Anything that's out of his standard causes us to be out of bounds on the field of play. It causes us to lose yards. It causes us to lose time. Because every time you get a penalty, there's time that you're losing. Are you listening to me? It's very important that we, what am I talking about? My goodness, the word of God. That is his standard. How can you get engaged in a sport that you don't know the rules? Or get engaged in a competition where you don't know what the line of scrimmage is, where you don't know the out of bounds is. You just live in your Christian life any old way and you figure, well, grace has covered me. Man, get up out of here with that nonsense. Grace enables you. It does not cover you to sin. It enables you to live in a righteous manner before God. Are you listening? Grace is not an employment check for sin, though. Grace cuts you off from sin. And empowers you to win. That's Jesus' form of Gatorade. We talk about the sweat and glory. Yeah, that's how you get the sweat and glory. <laughs> Real talk. Grace is what God gives you to live according to his rules. Listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. Paul says it. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I am telling you, it is guaranteed to happen. All of this time you waste doing things that have nothing to do with soul winning, nothing to do with the harvest, nothing to do with disciple making, nothing to do with soul transformation. You are wasting time. You're wasting your time. Oh, but you, you, oh, I gotta, you know, I got to get ready for this job. You're wasting your time. I'm not saying don't get a job. You need to pay them bills. I'm not saying don't get married. You need to have, you know, ch children at some point or go on a cruise. 
But if all you want to do is do that for that and you don't think about the kingdom, you are wasting your time. You cannot compete in this thing here by your own standards. Somebody with me tonight. Last point. Say the farmer. Say the farmer. We are harvesters. Say it with me. Say we are harvesters. Ters. What does that mean? You are people who live on a farm. You are people who function on a field. You are people who hands and feet got to get dirty doing the work we're called to do. I've never seen a farmer who don't like dirt. I've never seen a farmer who does not like sweat. I've never seen a farmer who does not like rain. After all, how else would the seed grow? If the farmer does not first cast or sow his seed into the soil. How else would the seed grow if the rain does not come? How else will people hear this gospel if we don't go and tell them about it? Man, it was a great day. The weather was beautiful today, but I can imagine if it was like 32 degrees under and it was raining, how many of us would still be willing to go out and share the gospel? A lot of people would be like, Uncle V, let's just cancel that day. It's too cold. Bruh, Jesus carried a cross. His wrists were pierced. Do you think he was thinking about the temperature that day? How many of y'all think Jesus was like, you know, I ain't dying on that day because you know what? It's raining that day. <laughs> Father, take this cup. It's going to be stormy that day. Oh, I can't do it. No, no, no. Let's choose next week, Thursday. The Bible says for the joy set before him. He was willing to go and do it. You see, listen to this. The benefits of the farmer are guaranteed because he or she has access to the harvest. Before it goes to market. However, the seeds don't sow themselves, so the farmer must work long hours in different kinds of conditions to see the harvest grow I believe it's time for us to get out of our comfort zones that's what the Lord is saying in this hour Bethel means house of God and for 30 years we've been in the house preparing enjoying I mean basking in fellowship you know but why is it on the 30th year Lord you decide that Let's change the name to Harvest. Can I put you on to something real quick? How old was Jesus when he started his work? 30. He was 30. He started at 30. We're starting at 30. Are you listening to me? Jesus started at 30. In Luke 4, I believe it's verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. You in this room, look at me. You are anointed to preach the gospel. As a farmer, you are anointed. What does it mean? You, you have the ability to sow the seed of God's word into the hearts and the minds of people you come across. Oh, Uncle V, I just, no, no, I didn't make this stuff up. This is God talking. Oh, there it is. He put it up there. Good guy. He's anointed me. He's anointed you. 
to get out of your comfort zone and go where his light is dim and where his voice is not heard so that people can come into the kingdom. Nothing pleases the father more than a soul getting saved. I don't care how many times I read my Bible. He's like, that's all right, son. You're supposed to do that. I don't care how long I pray. He said, man, that's a given. You need to. We're in relationship. But the Bible says when one soul gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. That is the heartbeat of daddy, of Abba, of father. Hmm? I want, I want you all to see something real, real quick, real quick, real quick. I'm almost done. I believe it's 1 Corinthians or so, it's, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6 to 8, he says, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Who gave the increase? Who gave the increase? So stop worrying, oh, you know, uh, 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 if I do this, uh, that's not your business. It is God who gives the increase. We went out there today, we've been going out, this is our fourth uh, Saturday, I believe. We've gone out. And uh, we've given, I mean, over a thousand tracks easily, easily, easily. If anybody got saved, glory to God. If nobody got saved, glory to God, what? I'm just here to water. Who knows what's going to happen next week? That same young man I spoke to today who told me he don't believe in nothing but himself. He might run into somebody else who might say, God bless you, son. And his mind is going to go back to the conversation I had with him today. You might be like, man, what's wrong with this God? This God is somebody else. The point is, it is God doing the work. No farmer stands over the seed to watch it grow. He sows it and then he walks away and expects a harvest to show up. So stop giving yourself a hard time as to whether this is going to happen, whether that is going to happen. Just be obedient in the one thing that Jesus told us to do. And what is that? Two letters. Go. Say go. Say go. In closing, Paul is speaking to Timothy here in chapter 4, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. And I believe this is the word for us tonight. This is the charge. This is the release statement for us as we leave. He says, I charge you, therefore. Tonight I'm charging you. This is, this is a military term. I charge you, therefore. Before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Oh, I love this part. Go to the next verse right there. What, what, what does he say? Preach, say preach. Preach, say preach. But Uncle V, that's your job. No, that's not just my job. That is your job. Preach the word. Preach the word, not your emotions, not your feelings, not your opinion, not your you say, I say, they say. Preach the word. Young people, the Lord is saying tonight to you, you are a harvester. Preach the word. Think like this, harvester. Preach the word. Be instant. Oh, but you know, I wasn't prepared. It does not matter. Be instant. In season and out of season. Be instant. Be ready. Be prepared. At any given point, don't wait to come back to ask your pastor, how do I say no? When the, uh, the opportunity appears before you, you preach the word. In season and out of season, 24 hours around the clock, 365 around the calendar, preach the word and be instant in and out of season. And then he goes on to say, reprove. Hmm? Reprove. 
which means correct. When people come talking their nonsense, their false doctrine, their false philosophies, and it has nothing to do with Jesus, you have the authority to debunk it. Stop waiting for somebody to come and help you to do it. No, the word of God is plain before you. If it's not in the Bible, don't you dare follow it. And if you got people that are following it, you reprove or correct in love. Young people, that's the kind of power you're playing with tonight. You allow people to sell you all that trash and you're like, I don't know if I believe that. No, if it's not in his word, don't accept it. If I stand up here and preach something that's contrary, say, Uncle V, I love you, but I want in the Bible. And I'll accept it. Because I have a mandate. You have a mandate to use this word to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering. There go that suffering word again. And teaching. Why? For the time will come. And I believe we've entered into these times. Listen, what Paul says. He was, he was prophesying about our day, I believe. He said, for a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They don't want to hear the gospel. They want to name it, claim it. Hey, that's your, oh, that's my husband. Okay, no, God didn't tell you that. Did he tell you that? Is it in the Bible? Huh? He gave you wisdom to make the right choices. But I mean, I, you know, you know, the other day we're watching a video and all, I mean, folks standing up there pouring Coca-Cola and Fanta on people and said, this is where your blessing comes from, foolishness. Go watch it, it's on YouTube, it's there. I mean, not one, not twice. I mean, quadrillion times, people coming in, they're eating grass. Because the man of God told them, receive it. No, <laughs> deceive it. That's what you're doing. My people, be watchful. Oh, be watchful. Be watchful, young people, be watchful. He ends it by saying, but you be watchful in all things. And endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of your ministry. Do the, look, look at me. Every last one of us in this room, whether you're watching or you're here, you are an evangelist. Don't wait for them to import one from Timbuktu somewhere. You, right now, you are an evangelist. And the way you will know it is true is by your going. Evangelists don't come to sit down, they go. He said, and these signs will follow you. Well, no sign will follow those that are not willing to go. Go. Preach the gospel. Walk in the authority of his word. Declare his manifested power. And these signs will follow you. How many evangelists I got here tonight? How many? If you're still on the fence, you ain't hear a thing I heard, I just said. Even if you're watching on Instagram or you're watching on Facebook, you are called to go. Get out of the house. Get into the field. Endure the persecution. Last week, Sunday, Bishop, as I closed right here, Bishop declared, he said, and I'm prophesying. 
persecution is coming. People of God, listen to me. Persecution is already here. People don't want to hear what you have to say. People are already rejecting and will continue to reject, but that didn't stop Jesus from still preaching. And that would not be a reason why I would stop, why you would stop. I don't care who says this and that about my Lord, I will still declare him. Stephen died declaring. Are you willing to die declaring? It's going to come down to that. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. If you're here tonight, and in some way, this word has touched you, and you're saying, you said I'm an evangelist, but I want to be able to go with more boldness. I want to go because God has told me to. Just raise your right hand up if that's you. This week I've been struggling. I was stuttering. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of nervous, but I want to walk in the, in the boldness of the Lord. Raise your hand high if that's you. Because I believe the Lord has started something here in this church and when I say the church I'm not talking about the building I'm talking about us the temple he has given you word especially in this house we got good good word the Lord has blessed us with sound teachers and for 30 years whether you're in Douala Cameroon or you're in only Maryland the Lord has been feeding and feeding and feeding and giving us and teaching us and preparing us for the field you have got to have the mindset of a soldier. You have got to have the attitude of an athlete. And you've got to have the perseverance of a farmer. Because the harvest is ready. Father, you see those hands raised tonight. And so Lord Jesus, I just pray this simple prayer. That same boldness that you operated in as a man is ours tonight Lord open every eye and every heart of every hand raised open wide our understanding of the power that we possess you have given us your word and your word shall not return to you void and so father I pray for them that even after tonight, Lord, they will rise up with boldness, knowing that you've given us the land. I want to pray for those who have not given their life to Christ and may be watching or maybe in this room. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, tonight is the night for you to understand how much he loves you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life if you've never given your life to Christ and you're watching or you're here I want you to just repeat after me and say Lord Jesus I come tonight confessing you as my Lord and my Savior Lord I know that without you cannot save myself and so I receive your eternal life as my own and I say thank you for saving me 
and put my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just raise your hand and just spend a minute just telling him thank you tonight for answering any and every prayer. Any and every prayer, Lord, you've answered. Thank you, Lord. It's you that you're raising up an army in this last day. Thank you, Jesus. That you have empowered us to go and preach this gospel to a dying world that desperately needs it. Worship him. Just worship him. Worship him. Give him the glory. And as we lift our voice, worship you. Thank you, Lord, for being here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. good news for you as we prepare to do the offer the victory is already ours <laughs> are you kidding me say it with me say the victory is already ours so we're not competing for victory we're competing from victory we're not fighting for victory we're fighting from victory when you understand that you already have the winning position then it doesn't put an extra burden on your heart that you all have no you do it because you just know you're going to pillage the enemy's camp that's the attitude we need to leave here with think like this harvester that I am victorious 